You're listening to the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lummer. I'm a certified life, health, and nutrition coach, and I'm also a breast cancer thriver. If you're trying to figure out how to move past the trauma and the emotional toll of breast cancer, you've come to the right place. In this podcast, I will give you the tools and the insights to create a life that's even better than before breast cancer. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 245 of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast in this edition of our Tuesday Terrain Talks. I'm your host, Laura Lummer, and I'm excited to be here with you today. I love doing these talks because I love talking about what we can do to support our body in the healthiest way. And I love talking about it in terms of what's really realistic because it's no secret to me that making change comes with a lot of challenges. You know, we resist change, not just because we're humans, but oftentimes because of what we've been through and we make different justifications based on what we deserve, what we don't think we should have to do, what we don't want to do, what we're not willing to do. And all of that is okay. It's all a part of the process of figuring out what it is that we're open to and the changes that we're ready to make one step at a time in our lives. And so these Tuesday Terrain Talks are all about that. And it is not medical advice. I'm not giving medical advice. This is all just information for you to process and for you to discuss with your own doctor if there are changes that you want to make to your lifestyle. So last week, I just want to start off with a little bit of a review from last week and a little bit of an update. Last week, I talked a lot about how you can start with the lowest hanging fruit, meaning making very small changes to your diet in order to clean it up, meaning choosing organic foods as often as possible, and how you can work within your existing grocery budget to make those changes. So I wanted to just touch base on a couple things before we move on from that. One is a couple of my clients have brought up with me over this past week after hearing the podcast about the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. These are two lists that you may be aware of already. They are compiled every year and they're updated by the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. And the dirty dozen are basically 12 fruits and vegetables that are known to have the highest levels of pesticides, herbicides, or toxins on them. And the suggestion is that if you want to incorporate these particular 12 foods into your diet, that those are the ones you'd want to choose organic first and try to stay away from eating the non-organic versions of them because they can have so many chemicals on them. And then the clean 15 is kind of the opposite of that. The clean 15 are 15 produce items, fruits and vegetables, that if you were going to choose things that were not organic, these are considered by the environmental working group to be the safest choices, that they absorb either the fewest amount of chemicals or that in order to grow them, they don't need as many chemicals as the ones that are in the dirty dozen because some plants are just more susceptible to fungus and to in insects. And so they do get more pesticides sprayed on them. So in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash 245. And right here where you're listening to this podcast, you can just scroll down and look at the links. And I put a link there to both the list for the dirty dozen and the list for the clean 15. So you can see which fruits and vegetables are on there and use them 
as you work towards cleaning up your grocery list. And I wanted to share a comment that I also heard, which was really exciting for me. And one of my clients said, you know, I never really thought about even looking at organic foods because I did have the idea that they were just going to be too expensive. And she said, after hearing that podcast, she looked and found that for her to purchase organic bananas would only be 12 cents more than that same purchase for the non-organic bananas. So it was really within her budget and she was able to do it, which spiked some curiosity for her. And she says, and I'll continue to look and compare prices with other items. So that's pretty exciting. You know, when we open ourselves to curiosity, you never know what you're going to find. All right. So I love that keeping an open mind and having some guidance and remembering that anything we talk about on the terrain talks, and especially what we're going to talk about today, is not to be meant as fear mongering of any kind. I just want to present you with information so you know and understand why these things are being brought up. You know, oftentimes in my experience after having cancer and going through how do I clean up the toxic burden in my life and what foods are the better foods for me, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about things and they just say, oh, that's bad. That's really bad. Oh, you shouldn't do that. And that's good. You should do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I want to know why, you know, I'm curious. I have a question. Well, why are you saying that's bad? What does it mean? Why is it bad? Why would it be bad for me? And so in this episode, I hope to clear up a little bit of that and give a little more clarity to when we're starting and we're taking these first steps and we're considering what's in our diet and what's in our life that to understand why making small changes might be important to you, I think helps us a little bit along the way. You know, the judgments of that's good and that's bad, in my opinion, it's just, you know, there are some things that we know are dangerous, but I think it's important to know why and to just accept that judgment without more information. It doesn't work for me and I'm sure it doesn't work for a lot of you. So on today's show, what I wanna talk about a little bit more or why you would make these choices. Why would you choose more organic foods than not? Why would you look at what's called the toxic burden in your life? And so toxic chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, skincare, laundry, cleaning items, things like that, that we might say, oh, you should use all natural. And why is that? Why is it important? And is it important? Do you need to use all natural everything everywhere? And the bigger question is, are you willing to? You know, a lot of times when we talk about cleaning up the toxic burden, I'll have a discussion with people and they say, you know what? I just really like how well the scrubbing bubbles work. I know I'm supposed to wear a hazmat suit when I use those things in the shower, but I like the way they clean. And if that's your thought, then that's going to be your thought, right? And do be careful and do wear protective equipment when you use something like that. We use gloves or don't breathe it in. And so again, there are changes we're willing to make and there are changes that we're not willing to make. But why would we be willing? Like, what is the deal behind cleaning up the toxic burden and why is it even important? So I want to talk today about what are called endocrine disruptors. And as we go through these terrain talks, we'll dig a little bit more into endocrine disruptors. But for this show, I just want you to understand what they are, what they do in our body, and what 
some of the sources of endocrine disruptors are so that you can do more research. I'll provide links to more information to on endocrine disruptors so you can read about it and you can make decisions about what works for you in your life and what changes you're willing to make. And I know that oftentimes that thought comes up when we talk about toxic burden where people just say, oh, everything's toxic. I know everything causes cancer. Everything's toxic. And you know, on some level, that's not far from the truth. There's a lot of toxic things in our environment. And that's why we know that the majority of cancers are attributable to environmental and metabolic causes, right? And the environment affects our metabolism. So we know this to be true, but is that really the reason why we don't want to think about it, look at it, examine it, become curious about it? Maybe change that thought from, oh, everything is toxic, so it doesn't matter, to there are a lot of toxic things in the environment. Let me see if there are some of them that I could actually get out of my life and not miss so much, or some of them that might have really nice alternatives that you may like even more and that you're willing to make those changes. So the reason why we talk about specific fertilizers, pesticides, chemicals, is because many of them are endocrine disruptors. So what is endocrine? Our endocrine system is basically the system that produces our hormones. Our hormones work on different things, have different mechanisms in our body, and we have a lot of hormones. They're not just estrogen, progesterone, estriodol, uh, testosterone. You know, we have a lot of different hormones. Insulin is a hormone. Leptin is a hormone. Ghrelin is a hormone. We have thyroid stimulating hormone. We have many, many hormones in our body. And hormones are this beautiful, amazing thing. They can do great stuff for us. When they're not working right, they can do really crappy things for us and we can feel really bad. So what is an endocrine disruptor? An endocrine disruptor is something that is exogenous. It's outside of us. So it's something in the environment. And we take it into us through the environment, through the biggest organ in our body, which is our skin, and our skin absorbs stuff. So, I mean, that's not even up for debate. We know our skin absorbs things, right? So we breathe in endocrine disruptors. We may eat things that have endocrine disruptors on them. We may touch things and absorb them through our skin, through body care products, through touching certain things. And so endocrine disruptors have a certain mechanism in the body and they can do a few different things. So it's a chemical that may either mimic or partially mimic a natural hormone that's in your body. Well, why is that a problem? because hormones act on specific cells. And those cells have what's called receptors. So it's like a doorway, right? Here's my doorway to this particular hormone. And then the hormone seeks out that particular doorway. It fits right in it. It goes into that cell. It does what it's supposed to do. It does its job. But when we're exposing ourselves to endocrine disruptors, they can act like hormones in our body. They can fool our body into thinking, oh, here's more of this hormone. And so they can overstimulate the production and overstimulate the action of hormones in our body. So that's one way that they disrupt the natural mechanism, the natural hormones and what those hormones naturally do. So that's one way. Another way is that they can these endocrine disruptors can latch onto these doorways, these cell receptors, and block them. So then they block them from the natural hormone getting to them 
So the natural hormone doesn't get to do its job the way it would normally do its job in our body. You could see why that would be a problem, right? And then a third way that an endocrine disruptor affects our health is that they can actually interfere with or block the way that hormones are made in our body. And so they can change the way that the hormone functions, the way that it's made, and even the way that it's metabolized. So it can change the way it's metabolized in our liver. And, you know, hormones can go through all kinds of processes, right? Our bodies are these amazing, complex things. They're not just simple like, hey, it's made here. Hey, it goes there. Hey, it does this. There's all kinds of stuff that it goes through. That's so scientific, isn't it? All kinds of stuff it goes through. But we're not being scientific here. We just want to understand what an endocrine disruptor is and what it does to us. Because I don't want to say to you, oh, avoid anything that has an endocrine disruptor because they're just bad, right? I want you to understand what they do in your body. So then you can decide whether or not that's a problem for you. You can hear that and say, oh, I'm not really loving what they do here. So let me look into it. Or you can say, you know what? I don't care. That's not a problem for me. Either way, totally fine. That's your choice. So that is what an endocrine disruptor does. It can have these three different pathways. And in some of the articles and some of the studies that I read about endocrine disruptors were that these are what we know so far, but that there could be actually so many more endocrine disruptors and so many more things that they do inside our body, but science hasn't had the opportunity to do studies on those things. So at this point, these are some of the things that we know for certain happen when we expose ourselves to an endocrine disruptor. Now, this is the part where people usually freak out. Oh, everything's toxic, right? Because if I started giving you a list of endocrine disruptors and where endocrine disruptors are, you probably get overwhelmed and just shut this podcast off. I know I've done that many times. So let's start off by saying some of the ways that we can clean up endocrine disruptors is by one, getting rid of plastics in our life. And that's not just plastic water bottles. So endocrine disruptors are very prominent in plastics. And that means plastic food containers, plastic toys, plastic water bottles, of course, but things that contain plastics. And I was, you know, I heard this statement one time and I thought, uh, I think that's a little extreme, isn't it? And what I heard was that you shouldn't be handling with your bare hands cash register receipts. And now again, you may, hopefully if you listen to me, you know, I kind of take a not super extremist stance on things. And so when I heard that, I thought that's a little bit extreme, right? I mean, don't touch a cash register receipt. So I started to read about it. I thought, well, let me look into this. What's really going on here? And it's true that many of these cash register receipts are covered with, or the ink has BPAs in them. And we know BPAs are the things that everybody says, don't leave your plastic water bottles exposed to heat or buy plastic water bottles that don't have BPAs in them. And I could say the long scientific name, but I'm going to say it wrong. So BPAs, and they are an endocrine disruptor. So I thought, well, that's really interesting because we talk about things being in everywhere around us in our environment. And that's not really far off from being the truth. So instead of just poo-pooing that though, what if we just go, hmm, there are a lot. So where could I change this? How can I reduce this? You know, a lot of times if you don't really need a receipt from someplace, then just say, oh, it's okay. I don't need the receipt or take photos of the receipts. I know there are a lot of, uh, if you are a receipt collector or receipt keeper, there are a lot of apps and things you can use on your phone. 
and just take receipts and then it stores them, take pictures of receipts and it stores them for you. So it's an interesting thing to understand what an endocrine disruptor does and how we can get rid of them in our lives. So I'm going to post a link to a really interesting article from the National Institute of Health that's on endocrine disruptors so that you can read that for yourself and see what you're comfortable with. And again, I just want to keep encouraging you, don't freak out. Don't be terrified of everything. Don't think, oh my God, I've got to get rid of all of my sheets and all of my blankets and all the things in my house. Like if you are, if you can, and you can replace everything in your house and get new pots and pans and new sheets and whatever, whatever, if you find out something has an endocrine disruptor in it, go for it. But most people aren't in that position. So let's talk about what, what are the small changes you can make? Now, something that was a real challenge for me was the understanding that when you see the word fragrance, and that's it, just fragrance on a product, that most of the time that's going to have some chemicals in it that we really don't want to expose ourselves to. And many fragrances, chemical fragrances, that is, have endocrine disruptors in them or a chemical that is an endocrine disruptor. Many, many of them do. Now, I'm very sensitive to chemicals. So when people have scented candles, scented laundry soap, things of that nature, I get very clammy and I get this weird feeling that comes over me when I smell it. I get um, a little nauseous. My head starts to hurt. I know I sound like a pansy, but it's just true. I'm super sensitive to chemicals. But I also love fragrance. I love the smell of certain perfumes and I love scented candles. And so it was a work in progress for me to say, you know, I got to get these things out of my house. And the more I was exposed to them, the worse I felt around them. So that made it easier. And of course, then I just explored essential oils and essential oil scented candles. And then I learned to love those more and bring those into my home where they're safer and they didn't make me feel sick. But I think that's another piece of the low hanging fruit. We can look at things that have fragrance added to them and know that if fragrance is added to them and you can get that out of your environment, that that's one really big way you can lower your toxic burden. So how do you know if something is toxic and how much do you have to think about this? And do you have to look at every single thing? And you know, there's a couple of different, I have a little bit of different perspective on that. So when it comes to food, people may ask, well, what am I supposed to do? Read every label? And I say, yes. I mean, I read every label because it's very important to me to understand what I'm putting in my body. So for me, I think when you have that thought, what am I supposed to do? Read everything? Look at everything? I guess I would say, can you get a little curious about that thought and ask yourself, why not? Why is that a problem to scan something and look at it and see whether or not this is something that might have more chemicals in it or expose yourself to endocrine disruptors when you don't need to or want to? Now, how do you know? Well, there are some very easy ways to find out. And I want to give you both sides to this story too. So there's the EWG, which is the Environmental Working Group. They have a website and they have a very easy to use app. And you can scan barcodes on makeup, on cleaning products, on laundry soap, on all kinds of things. You can scan products and the EWG will bring up a rating and tell you, hey, this is considered safe or this is considered toxic. And they're scored kind of like a report card from A to F. So if something is really toxic or known to be dangerous chemicals in it, it might score an F. And then you get to decide, how important to me is this product? Do I want something that scores an F? 
which means it's probably as far away from being considered safe to put in or on or around your body as possible. Maybe. Is it it some kind of cleanser or something that you tell yourself you just can't live without? Maybe you want to know where do these items score and how important are they to me? Because I know when I started investigating this, I realized, you know, there are a lot of items in my life that just aren't that important to me. Maybe I picked it up. Maybe it was gifted to me and it's just not that important to me. So if it doesn't score really safely, then I don't mind getting it out of my life. If it's one, let's say if it was a moisturizer or something that I just absolutely loved, I love skincare and it scored an F, oh, it might break my heart, but I might just decide, you know what, that's not worth it. I might decide otherwise, right? But I think that when we we look at these things and we make it easy on our life to understand how safe, how toxic, what's in them, then we just get to make better informed decisions. And I think that's the really important thing to focus on here. So there is the environmental working group that you can use as a tool to help you see the safety or the toxicity of most products that are in your home. Now, there are a few other websites that are similar to EWG, to the Environmental Working Group. And some of those sites I listed the URLs to also in the show notes for this episode. So greenfacts.org, earthshare.org, treehugger.com. So there are a lot of websites out there and they're looking at environmental safety, personal safety, different products, different practices, and how safe they are for us and in our environment. Now, I also want to point out that although the EWG has a lot of programs that they may reach out to a manufacturer and say, hey, we will work with you on your product development to make this product safer so that it can get a higher rating as a safer product on the EWG website. And these companies do pay the EWG, to work through this process. Now, I'm not saying they pay in the sense of, hey, let me give you this much money and get the stamp, but I just want to be really transparent here and say that I may love the EWG, but I think it's really important that we look at everything with open eyes and transparency. And we say, this is the Environmental Working Group, and their idea of safe may be different or more extreme than your idea of safe. So this is another reason why I say, don't freak out about things. Just look at them and gather information and make decisions on what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. You may look through the EWG website and say, hmm, based on what I read here and what their criteria is for an A or a B or a C or a D or E or F product, I'm pretty okay if it's a C not too bad. I'm okay if my product is a C. Maybe you want all your products to be an A. And also note that not every product on the face of the earth is going to be in the EWG database. And that does not necessarily mean that it's not a safe product, right? It just means that that company, for whatever reason, has not gone through this working process for this certification or the stamp of approval with the EWG. So I think it's important to keep that in mind as we approach things with some moderation and some understanding, but it also gives us some really good feedback and some really good information because there's no question that the more we can reduce the toxic burden in our lives, in and around us, 
the more we're supporting our health. These things do get into our bodies, as I said, through food, through water, through breathing, through touching, through taking baths, through taking showers, through our drinking water, which you'll hear more about the drinking water on our show next week, and ways that you can look into and affordable ways that you can make sure that you're filtering and getting nice, clean drinking water. It's funny because I noticed that on the podcast last week, I had said something about eating food as organically as possible and drinking clean, clear water. And I thought, okay, well, I mean, seriously, who doesn't drink clear water? Like, I don't think most of us drink muddy water. But what I meant was filtered water and why that's even important. And I'll dig more into that next week as we talk about the importance of having filtered water and affordable ways to do that and reasonable ways to do that as well. Okay, so another little tidbit for you to add to your toolbox here, working with websites like EWG or greenfacts.org or any of the other websites I've listed here, and just having an open-mindedness. Notice if your mind is very closed off to, oh, I can't even look at that. Oh, that's too much. Oh my God, if I start thinking about that, I get overwhelmed. And realize that that's just a story you're telling yourself. You know, our brains, they don't like change. And so when we bring up changing things or eliminating things from our lives, lots of times they go right into fear and we shut ourselves down. But you don't have to make changes you don't want to make. So why not inform yourself? Why not look at what is actually happening in your house? You might be surprised at the fact. You may look at your skincare and at the things that are in your home and the cleaning products you use, and you may rate pretty highly and go, all right, little pat on the back there. I'm doing a good job. So let's look at the thoughts we have around it and be open to being curious and to be making small changes a little bit at a time to clean up our environment, clean up our toxic exposures, and support our best metabolic health. All right, I'll talk to you again on Friday. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, come and find my free Facebook group, the Breast Cancer Recovery Group on Facebook. And let's talk about toxic exposures. Find me on Facebook as Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. Or you can DM me on Instagram, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. All right, and I will talk to you very soon. Take care. You've put your courage to the test, laid all your doubts to rest. Your mind is clearer than before, your heart is full and wanting more, your future's at the door. Give it all you got, no hesitating, you've been waiting. This is your moment